everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. Um, it is a special day, and uh, just as Mother's Day, we recognize you don't have to be biological parent, but that we just honor men today. Uh, we honor fathers and grandfathers and sons and brothers. And, uh, and because we're going to be looking at some scriptures, it's not gender specific. So everything I share with you this morning, uh, it translates to all of us who live and breathe and move because of what Christ has done for us. So um, I say, man, you are really valuable to Jesus, Jesus Christ, his kingdom. You say, what does that mean? You know, we're, we're a democracy. Well, there is a righteous rule in the earth today ever since the cross. And Jesus is building his kingdom. And one day it'll be uh, fully brought into our space. But right now it's just supernaturally being extended through our lives as we as Christ followers uh, reflect Jesus Christ. Remember how he taught us to pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and his kingdom is coming even now. And as men, we've been created with strength for purpose, and uh, it's a purpose to love and to care and, uh, and to protect and to provide for. Uh, and, but we're not always strong. There's a little story, a summer evening during a violent thunderstorm when a mother was tucking her, her son Benji into bed, and she's just about to turn off the light when he asked in a trembling voice, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight? kind of scared, and his mother smiled and gave him reassuring hugs. He says, I, I can't, Benji. Uh, I have to sleep with your daddy. And after a long silence, he said, the big sissy. <laughs> so sometimes, even as dads, we can be, you know, uh, a little sissy-ish, but uh, at least according to Benji. Uh, and, and also, contrary to some popular beliefs, uh, as men, we can, we can display deep emotion and thought, okay? We're just not robots and just not always linear. In fact, here's a good example. One night, a wife found her husband standing over their newborn baby's crib, and silently, she kind of stood back and she watched as he stood looking down at the sleeping infant. She saw in his face a mixture of emotions, disbelief, doubt, delight, amazement, enhancement, uh, 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 enchantment, I should say, even skepticism, all right? He would stand back, and then he would shake his head, and he'd say, amazing, while smiling from ear to ear. And she is touched by this unusual display, this deep emotion that seemed to be aroused in her husband's life. And her eyes glistened, you know, as she, she slipped up and kind of put her arms around him, and she said, a penny for your thoughts? She kind of whispered that in his ear, and he said, isn't it amazing? When you take the time and you really look close how anyone can, can make a crib like this for $49.99. <laughs> so, as men, we have some depth. Don't, don't, don't pass us over. We, we see things deeply sometimes, okay? So, anyway, this morning, uh, I want to just uh, propose that we look at a few verses and in doing so, we look specifically at a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. And Paul was really modeling a parent in these verses that we're going to see there in the second chapter of his first letter to the Thessalonians, if you have your smartphone available. Isn't that funny? I mean, there's a Bible under the seat if you don't have a smartphone or don't have a Bible app, okay? So 1 Thessalonians will be in chapter 2. And um, 
uh, and there's some traits and some wonderful traits I think we're going to find uh, in these verses that can, can, and can help us uh, to be, uh, as men, uh, strong, as, as fathers, stronger. And again, because it's gender neutral, we can all value from these beautiful verses here this morning. So four, four traits, and the first one is this, uh, and we can see it here in, in, in verse, uh, verse 7. We were gentle among you, Paul writes, like a mother caring for her children. He uses that picture of a mother. We loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. So the first trait that just jumps off the pages is, is this love, just a great love, uh, maybe even a, a, a love lived, if we unpack this here in a second. But notice what Paul says there. We loved you so much. Uh, Paul, it's, it's pretty sure that he wasn't a biological father. It's pretty, it looks pretty obvious as you read the New Testament that he chose not to marry as he was sent on a mission throughout Asia Minor and into Europe and planting churches. We talked about him a few weeks ago, just the amazing life. He's responsible for almost half of what we find in the New Testament, mostly written in letter form, letters that he wrote to these churches. And he was a father in the faith. And that Greek word, therefore, love is just an intensity, one, a, a, a kind of love that gives over and over and over again. And this is what Paul's saying. We loved you so much. Now, who's we? Uh, he didn't have a mouse in his pocket. He had a team that he traveled with, okay? The Apostle Paul, you always see that as you read through the book of Acts. He always had a team, a posse, and these, these, they were going into areas. They were planting churches and winning people to Christ and introducing people to the kingdom of God. And he would, uh, he would establish churches and minister and, uh, and he's saying that we all loved you so very much. And you know what? It's, uh, it, it seems almost like he's saying it's, it's hard to even find words to express how much, but we really, really do love you. Now, many men sometimes find it difficult to express love, all right? It doesn't always come naturally maybe to the masculine demeanor or spirit, like the old guy who's, uh, you know, he's like, They've been married, you know, 50, 60 years, and his wife looks at him one day and says, honey, how come you never tell me you love me anymore? And he says, well, babe, I, I told you that, you know, 55 years ago at our wedding, when I changed my mind, I'll, you'll be the first to know about that. And, and so we're not maybe always, and now you guys are the exception to the rule, of course, but I think there's a reason for this. I don't know if any of you have read the book, because I haven't, but I'm going to quote from it here, Okay. Uh, men are from Mars. How many have heard about it? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, okay? In other words, we're, we're planets apart. And God planned this. He, he created the feminine spirit, and he created the masculine spirit, heart, life, you know, however you want to say that. Uh, and, and it's like we sometimes live on different planets, right? You've seen the memes, and they're funny, you know? Uh, guys are just kind of here, and, and women are so sophisticated and so genius and intelligent, and dudes are just kind of, all right, we'll get here, and we get the job done. And anyway, this is, men, this is Father's Day, so I'm not going to put down us guys at all. We're just going to build up men today, okay? But look at this little, look at this little left and right thing here. Now, the left side is men, and the right side is women, and, uh, and this is what they've kind of found. This is kind of what, you know, as you study the masculine soul and the, and the feminine soul, uh, um, men are, uh, they, they, they function in competence. They pursue competence and power and efficiency and achievement and skills and results, and, and did I already say accomplishment? No. Uh, and, uh, and, and self-sufficiency. And then uh, the, the feminine soul is love and communication and beauty and relationships and support and nurturing and feelings and community, right? 
And, uh, and not that guys can't have that, not that we don't, but we're kind of hardwired in our masculinity more towards that left side, okay? So uh, if, if you were to poll what most people in modern culture think uh, the church looks like or should look like, probably 99 times out of 100, they'll say, well, it's the right side, right? Because when we think of Christ, we think of his amazing love and the way he communicated and the beauty and, and relationships and the things that are attractive. Uh, but that's not all there is because God didn't just create one dimension. There's a, I like to think about it like a marble cake. What good would a marble cake be if it was all chocolate? You've got to have, what is it, vanilla or white, the white, what do they call it? Yeah, the yeah, the, the other side of, you know, so you got a marble. You have chocolate and you have blonde or, or white or vanilla cake or whatever. And that's what we have in God's creative design. And you can't just have the right side. You need the left side in order to have what God's created in this blending of our gifts and our strengths, okay? So men often uh, have to learn uh, how, to, how, to, how to love. Because, uh, you know, and, and by the way, we don't get a pass on this, man, and say, well, you know, we're just kind of doers and we're, we're driven by our strength and our power and efficiency and results and accomplishments and self-sufficiency. No, love is the language of the kingdom, so we need to learn how to love. I think that's maybe why Paul, in his letter to the, to the Ephesians, he said, you know, husbands, love your wives. He doesn't say to the wives, love your husbands. He tells, it seems to be, the directive is, is to respect and to honor the husband. Women usually don't have a problem. I know there's always exceptions. I generalize and somebody says, yeah, I know somebody who didn't love their husband. Uh, but the thing is, is husbands need to learn. Men, I think it's something we have, to, we have to work at. There's a maternal gift oftentimes we see in our mothers and our grandmothers and our wives and our sisters and our daughters. And, uh, you know, I remember the girls in, 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 in Sunday school and every time a baby would come by growing up, they'd grab the baby and they just melt. And us guys would go, okay, where's the hockey stick? You know, where's the basketball? It's like, you know, we're going out the back door. And so it's something we develop and it's a wonderful thing. And it's a, it's, but it's, 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 we don't get the pass for not loving. Because Christ's kingdom, the language of the kingdom of God is, is definitely love. And Paul, again, instructs his, the husbands to love their wives, uh, and we learn that. And uh, um, so men often have to learn how to do this. But there's, I think there's a wonderful solution as we continue to unpack this verse. Look at it. Okay, so like mother caring, we loved you so much. We're delighted. Not, okay, not delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. I think this is where we, I think this is where we, uh, where we find our strength as as men, uh, uh, with our lives as well. Notice that there's 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 a connection between the gospel and lives. It's one thing to hear the gospel, but it's another thing to live it. Now, let me just say this: the the gospel. Uh, you can say, "What's the gospel?" And you say, "Well, there's this formula that expresses the gospel, maybe in Paul's uh, letter to the Romans." Um, you know, the, the, the gospel, the road to salvation, the, you know, there's like four verses, and, and you know, it's the, the cross and everything. But in its simplest form, to the very first Christians, the gospel was a proclamation. And the proclamation that they were fighting is Caesar is Lord. Remember we talked about this last week at Patmos, how there's an emperor worship, and some Christians were having to give up their life and die because they refused to say Caesar is Lord. That was gospel. The proclamation was Caesar is Lord. The first Christians, just like today in the 21st century, we have a proclamation. 
And that's the very foundation of this gospel, and that is Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord of my life. He is supreme. He's large and in charge. He's in control. And of course, we unpack that and we say, why is it? It's because what he did at the cross, he took our sins. He didn't stay dead. He rose, you know. He, he's setting us free. He's healing us. He's transformed. But at its very foundation, at its very root, if you can just start there, gospel means Jesus Christ is Lord and nobody else. That's the whole idolatry thing, right? We oftentimes have another gospel. Well, my cabin is Lord, you know. Well, my job is Lord. Well, my attractive girlfriend is Lord, you know, and we don't, wouldn't say that, but idolatry can creep in in many shapes and sizes. But this is what the first church was dealing with, and that is that the gospel uh, is, is not just proclaimed, but it's lived out, all right? Uh, our lives as well, because you are, have become so dear to us. The masculine heart is hardwired I've, I've come to see it as I've lived, as I've, as I've walked with men, as I, as I study men, as I try to be a man who follows Christ. We are hardwired to live or demonstrate our faith. I really believe that. And that's a beautiful expression of love. Competence and power and achievement and skills and results and accomplishment, that left side, right? The gospel, Jesus Christ is Lord, is brilliant when... It is lived out, all right? So I'm just saying that to you guys. Uh, don't, we can't take away from what God's created in, in our mothers and our sisters and our, our wives and, and our daughters, but there's something God's created in us. Our desire to walk it out, to, to do it with strength is, is a beautiful thing because uh, that's how the gospel is, is so, so brilliant and I believe uh, so infectious and... Uh, uh, and, and has a beautiful aroma as well. So, uh, men, often uh, we, 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 can, we can learn to love, and the solution is by actually uh, engaging and, and being, being, walking this thing out. Um, I think a beautiful picture of, of godly love, and I just, want, I just want to pause for a second and insert this. Um, Jesus gave the parable of the pro prodigal, and actually, it was for the brother, the older brother, but we all kind of camp out at the prodigal who one day comes into his father and says, hey, dad, I want all my, all my inheritance early. I'm going to go party, you know? And if you understand the culture at the time, for someone to do that, that would be a tremendous offense and an embarrassment for the father and the family. But the son received his inheritance, went out and spent it on wine, women, and song, and ends up in a pig pen. And in the Jewish culture, that's the last place you want to be. That's as far down as you can get because pigs were impure, right? They were, uh, they were, you didn't eat them and you didn't sleep with them for sure. And so he's at the very bottom and it's at the bottom when he, he kind of comes to his senses, the Bible says, he says, I, I could at least be a servant in my father's house. And he turns and he begins his journey home, expecting just to, to work for his father, not to be restored. Um, first of all, there had to be some level of love in this story that Jesus gives between the wayward son and the father, for him to assume that he could even go back. Because again, in the, in the culture, the contemporary culture, when Jesus is sharing this parable, um, you would be dead to that father. The son who did this and embarrassed the father and the family would be dead, all right? But there was something at work in, in, in the relationship between the father and the wayward son uh, in, in, in the sense that he's saying, I, be, I, I believe I can, be go, I can go back and I will at least be welcomed in the servants' quarters. 
And of course, we, we, most of us know the rest of the story. The father, I think it's such a beautiful picture. This is, this is, and I'm saying this because some of us have been raised, not like my wife, Debbie, and, and her father, Zane, uh, with, with a tremendous example of a father who loved her. Those beautiful pictures up there today of, of, of children expressing their appreciation towards their dad. Some of us, our, our experience with the masculine person in our life was, was very detrimental or discouraged or wounding, okay? Wounding, literally, there's wounds in your life. Father, I tease my daughter, Brianna, you know, if I kind of get her a little frustrated, I say, did I inflict you with a, a daddy-daughter wound? And she goes, yep, you sure did, you know. And so I, I say, well, good, uh, it'll get better later. No. But, uh, but uh, there are seriously those who've been wounded uh, in this realm by their fathers. That's, I just want to park here for a second and say, take a close look, and you can... You can Google this. You can, you know, if you, if you don't know where it's at in the Gospels, you can, you can go to an app and, and, and one of these Bible apps and find this beautiful prod, this parable of the prodigal son because it says the father is, is scanning, essentially. This is my translation. Because he's looking afar off. He's, he's looking over the horizon. You know, we know how many years this has been. He spent all of his money. His father seems to be wealthy. So maybe it's one year, three years, five years. But the, it seems like the father daily is just kind of parked at some point on the porch when he's, and he's kind of looking out over the horizon where the road would meet their road, where the distant road would somehow meet their road and into their farm or their, their place of habitation. And he was scanning it. And that day when he saw the sun, it didn't say that he sat there with his arms folded, you know, a kind of a grimace on his face and say, I'm going to kick his butt when he gets here, all right? We're going to make him pay. It says he ran to him. He met him halfway down that road, that last lap, and he embraced him, and he put a robe on him, a family robe and a, a ring, and he, and he fully received him back. I want you to see that. If you had a bad experience, if you had a difficult encounter in your life with a, with a father figure, there is a heavenly father that Jesus speaks of all the time. You say, well, well, what about the Old Testament? That's some pretty scary stuff there. Forget that right now. Think of who Christ, Jesus Christ, what he said and what he says about God. He calls God not God. He calls him Father, your Father, your Heavenly Father, uh, our Father who art in heaven. What a beautiful thing that the Son of God came, and one of the greatest revelations that he left with us is that there's a, a Father who loves us, who heals us, who welcomes us, who does not reject us, again, heals us, restores us, believes in us, and, uh, and that, 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 is the, that is the most uh, encouraging thing I, I draw oftentimes from the prodigal son story. And I will never forget, I've shared this in the past, a, a friend I have who pastors out in uh, Martha's Vineyard right now, and he pastors a church, and and this was four, 35, 40 years ago, and we were traveling in, a, in a, a group, and we'd have to stay in different homes because we'd go to different churches and uh, into some prisons, and we had a musical group and a full band and, and uh, had a trailways bus or Greyhound bus. And, and so we'd be placed in homes in these churches of these people. And one night, he and I shared a room, and I'll never forget Greg as he, I woke up early just as the sun was, was rising, and he was at the foot of the bed having this most intimate conversation with God that I've ever heard. I grew up in the church. You know, I, I, I gave my heart to the Lord in Sunday school, like in kindergarten or something like that. The, he came to Christ 
as a uh, as a as as an entertainer in a broken condition. He was um, uh, he was he was in a nightclub scene, if I remember right, and he was just amazingly transformed by the by the love of Christ and his relationship and his the way he communicated with God. It, I was envious of it. I can't say anything else. Uh, he he just he talked in such an intimate way with the God of the universe. He understood what Jesus teaches throughout the Gospels, that he is a father in heaven who knows our name and he loves us and he cares for us and he heals us. And today, 40 years later, Greg's family has grown. He's a grandfather. He's pastoring a church. And this was a guy who had a, a difficult family life, a broken relationship with his father, but he experienced the love of Jesus Christ and the heavenly father and it transformed his life. So I just... I pause there. When we talk about love, you need to understand there's a love that trumps all other loves, and it's the love that Christ gives us and the Heavenly Father gives us, and we can have that kind of relationship with him, okay? So um, uh, let's, let's move on. Just a couple other points here, and that's this. Uh, there's another trait, again, as I said, that, that Paul models, and it's this of diligence, all right? Uh, to be diligent. As we look at the Scripture, as Paul writes here to the church at Thessalonica, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and our hardship, we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. As we preach this gospel of God to you. As fathers, we have the opportunity to model a good work ethic to our children. As men, we have an opportunity to mentor and to coach others. I mean, how many people influenced my life just growing up who were coaches? Or I can give you examples. You could give me examples of people. They weren't your fathers, but they were men who, who wonderfully uh, mentored you and spoke into your life. And, uh, and the same thing, again, can be for the, the ladies as well. But you can see what Paul is saying here as he's writing to this church that he loves and these people uh, who he loves. He says, we worked daily. And oftentimes, if our, if our kids don't see us uh, hard at work, uh, they don't understand what a good work ethic is. They learn by, by watching, by observing, all right? That's the way we teach, observing our ethic, by practicing it uh, uh, with them and allowing them, as the one young man said, my dad will help me in the workshop and he'll help me make it stronger. What a cool picture, you know? Uh, and, and, and again, this is for all of us, but this is Father's Day. So what a beautiful thing that diligently we can, we can model um, we can model uh, godliness and, and love towards those God places in our lives. And it does not have to be just a biological child or grandchild. Um, a, the scriptures make it pretty clear, and we believe this is what Jesus is all about, is, is discipling. And that's basically saying, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ, okay? So um, uh, you all have your examples of that. Uh, I sometimes, with a bit of a grimace on my face, I, I have memories of, of, my, of, of my dad giving, giving us chores, and my chore, it seemed like, for a couple of years, every summer was to scrape and to prime and to paint our picket fence. And I, I swear I was doing the same section every summer, and I think my dad was just trying to keep me off the streets. Okay, before you go to, to Lake Harriet to swim all day, you get up in the morning, you scrape and you sand and you prime and you, and you paint these fences. And if you've ever painted a picket fence, they're, they're a pain in the, in the rumpus, right? Because you've got to cut around and the paint drips, the primer drips and everything. But these chores were so important. I laugh, Dad's here this morning. And every Saturday night, back when we were kids, we'd have to shine our shoes before we went to church. 
Well, my job was to shine all the shoes, or at least dad's shoes. I don't know if I shined my older brother's shoes. They probably wouldn't let me touch their shoes. But, uh, the, you know, we would shine. And, and so that was part of my, my you know, these, these little chores and these responsibilities. I have dozens of these things. But my dad modeled. It wasn't like he was sitting back going, okay, now uh, sweep, uh, now uh, paint. Now, dad modeled a work ethic in our life. And it's, it's, it's a gift that we can pass on as we diligently, in this case, Paul's saying, we diligently, we served you and we modeled this gospel. You know, Paul at one time, he says, I didn't take anything from you. You know, I, I had the right, I was an apostle. I could say, okay, you know, cards and letters, bring past the offering plate, give, give. You know, I'm the big kahuna apostle. He came with a spirit of love and service, diligently serving the churches as he would go throughout that region of the country and introduce the world to this amazing message of Jesus Christ. Uh, so anyway, that's a, that's a good point, I think, that we, we take with us. Uh, but here's another thing, too. I just want to move along. Another trait that, that Paul models is, is spirituality, okay? When I say spirituality, there's spooky spiritual, weird spirituality, fake spirituality. This is the real deal spirituality. And here's, here's what the scripture says that I think points to that, okay? In, uh, I think it's verse 11, it says, you are witnesses. Again, this early young church at Thessalonica. And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you. Man, that's, that's something to be able to say that and write that in a letter form that we modeled Jesus. We, we had a measure of spirituality that was, was demonstrated in the way, the way we preached the verse prior to that, the way we preached the gospel of God to you. They did it in a way that was righteous and holy. So they did it in, in a humble way, in a pure way. They didn't have an impure motive. They weren't coming in to try to take or, or break or, 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 or introduce brokenness, but to introduce life and healing through Jesus Christ in this amazing message of the cross. And they witnessed it. The early Christians witnessed that of, of Paul and the team that traveled with them. Okay. Holy, righteous, and blameless. Our behavior was influenced by what we believed about Jesus. And that's for all of us today. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? As we witness him, we take on a measure of spirituality. As we reflect Jesus Christ, the best view that my neighbor can have of me is me mimicking or reflecting the person of Jesus Christ. Because if I reflect too much of Brian, it just can get messy sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Because we're human. You know, we kind of lose it, and we fall, and we, we sin. But if we can reflect, if we can mimic, if we can model Christ, it's a beautiful thing. And it's a spiritual thing, because it's Jesus that we're, that we're modeling, okay? So that's true. That's, that's real spirituality. Um, and I, I would say that as... As, as men, young and old here today, God, I believe, commissions us to be leaders, all right? We're, we're spiritual leaders in our, in our homes, in our circle of friends, uh, you know, in our families. Uh, you will either lead your family or friends closer to God or further away. Did you hear that? We, we, we really do have a chance. As we reflect Jesus, as we display this true spirituality, the person of Jesus Christ, we can cause our friends and our loved ones and our family members who maybe don't know the Lord become thirsty and long for him, okay? Uh, there's, a, there's a quote that's often uh, uh, given and talked about in, 
in men's ministry circles. It's a statistic, and it says, when a mother comes to faith in Christ, the rest of her family follows 17% of the time. But when a father comes to faith in Christ, the rest of the family follows 93% of the time. When a man encounters Christ, his family follows. Now, some of you are going, oh my goodness, that's the most sexist thing I've ever heard from the pulpit. I can't quote you where that came from, but it sure sounds good. This is Father's Day, all right? Maybe on Mother's Day, we'll flip those statistics. I don't know. But the, we know it's true, don't we? And it's in our heart of hearts, you know, there's something that God has given us as men to, to lovingly and in a, in a humble way to, to care for our kid. What a beautiful video that was this morning. To love our family into the presence of Jesus Christ. Okay. So um, the, the, the final trait is that of influence, okay? Influence and positive influence specifically. And, and I love this as Paul kind of, as we just kind of conclude this little segment here of this letter. He says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. First it was the mother and the love. Now he's talking about how a father, here's how we dealt with this new church, encouraging you as young believers, comforting you. Don't you love this next phrase? And urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Isn't that cool? That's, that's what we as men in our relationships with our friends as fathers, as spiritual fathers. And again, this crosses over for all of us. This is applicable to all of us. But this morning for men to encourage, to comfort, to comfort, to, to urge. That's, that's good influence. That's positive influence, isn't it? That's what a father does. He encourages and he comforts and he urges his children to live lives worthy of God. You know, Dan Benson in his book, The Total Man, I just want to share this with you. He says that for every positive word, this is kind of discouraging, and this is a great time for us to all move towards change if we're fathers today, but he says that for every positive word that most dads say to their children, they say 10 negative ones. They're really good at words like don't and you can't and stop it and no. Now, of course, if the father is the disciplinarian, sometimes in the home, you can understand where that would be the case. But they're not very good at the positive words. Benson suggests that we could change the whole personality of our relationship with our children if we just learned to be positive and influencing things, influencing things in a positive way or in a positive way. That's pretty, that's pretty sobering. All right. So uh, I know that doesn't have to do with you guys. You're all great dads. And, uh, and we've all been touched. Most, many of us have been touched by wonderful parents and fathers. But uh, I invite the worship team to come up. And I just want to give you... Uh, I, just kind of a, a closing Snapchat, or Snapchat, oh boy, I'm, I'm too social media savvy to say that on a Sunday, no. I want to give you a snapshot of uh, what, what happens when men show up, or what possibly could take place when men show up at church, okay? And, uh, and, and, and we, sh we, just, we show up just humble and, and ready to serve, but we bring our masculinity to the table, okay? And here's a Here's, here's just some, some, some things that can take place. There's a, an expansionist outlook that, uh, now, now let me just qualify this. Doesn't mean that women can't be expansionists or uh, uh, have be risky or all these things, but the, what God's placed in the masculine spirit is kind of a, a leaning towards some of these words or phrases, okay? So uh, hang with me for just a second, okay? That expansionist thing, men make things happen. Men expand the church and its influence in the world. Richard Warren, Joseph Martel write, when male energy is absent, creation does not happen. 
either in the human soul or in the world. Nurturance happens, support and love perhaps, but not that new creation out of nothing. That is the unique prerogative associated with the masculine side of God. Uh, you can agree with that or not. It's kind of interesting phrase there, or, or paragraph, I should say. But then look at there, men's orientation towards risk. Men are hardwired for risk-taking. Jesus made it clear that risk-taking is necessary to please God. In the parable of the talents, the master praises two servants who invested their assets and produced more, but he curses the servant who played it safe, okay? So uh, that, that risk is something that... Uh, just turn on extreme extreme sports uh, next time it's on TV, and you look at some of these guys and go, "You don't want to live very long, do you?" And that's part of the masculine thing that's that's in us. And the older we get, I want to say the smarter we get, or just too many broken bones or or wrenched backs or whatever. But but we you can add that to the kingdom, and it's a part of that 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 blending of what God's created, and that we celebrate this morning. Men's focus on the outside world promotes church health. The masculine spirit is naturally directed toward outward. Uh, men are always building things, creating things, and subduing the earth. A man may not feel co complete until he has left his mark on the world, and without masculine spirit, the church turns inward. It begins to minister primarily to the family in here instead of the world out there. Okay, so now again, I know amazing women that, you know, that can that, that have a very outside, they're, they're missional and all this type of thing, but there's something that God, in fact, that's why I remember a, a, a history teacher telling me once in college, the reason why we speak English is because, because the, the, the English brought their, their wives and, and they, the, the, the wives wanted, uh, they wanted to be comfortable and they wanted education for the children and churches and stuff. But the Spaniards and the French came. Remember the French, French spur, fur traders, spur traders, the fur traders. They didn't bring their wives. They just went up and they, you know, they took the gold and the furs. And uh, today we speak English because the British brought family, and and men can be very outward. And that is a beautiful thing in the context of the kingdom because it spurs us looking outward at times. And men's concern with the rules promote church health. Women tend to exalt relationship over rules. I don't have the stats to show that, but this is what this says. Men tend to exalt rules over relationships. You need a blending of that, don't you? If that's the case, you need relationship and you need rules. You need it to be, you need it to be um, merged in an in 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 equal way. So, uh, uh, and so you'd say, well, to, to, to keep purity in, in teaching and stuff, you need somebody who's kind of more rule conscious, all right? Men bring strength to the church. Uh, Edwin Cole says, you can derive spirituality from women in the church, but you get strength from the men. And Cole is a, he writes a lot of books and studies, uh, uh, studies the human condition and, and men and, and, and all these things, but not a very politically correct statement. He says, but what does your experience tell you? Doesn't the presence of spirituality alive, um, doesn't the presence of a spiritually alive man bring strength to the body. And I believe that's the case. I see that all around here. Those men who are following Christ, you bring a beautiful strength to our, to our, to our uh, community here. And I don't know what it would be, what it would be like without you. Now, of course, um, yeah, we'll just say that. And finally, uh, men bring money to church. A straight shooting pastor once told me, um, um, when, when, when she comes to church and he doesn't, you get the tithe off the grocery money. When they come to church together, you get the tithe off the paycheck, all right? I don't know. That's, I think there's been some studies on that, but there are times where 
the church has a mission and we want to do more for our community. We want to reach more in the world and we want to do more. And it's good to have the men there with the women saying, okay, let's sew into this together, okay? So interesting. Uh, fathers, I applaud you today. Men, I applaud you. Young men, someday you'll be fathers potentially or uh, you'll be grown-up men who are mentoring other younger men. I want to pray for you as I conclude or we conclude this morning. And, uh, and then we're going to have a song and worship. And if you have a prayer need, uh, the prayer team will be in the back. And you're welcome to have personal prayer as well as we conclude this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for, uh, for fatherhood. Thank you, Jesus, more than anything today of the amazing picture that you've given us um, of a God who loves and cares and runs to us and meets us and forgives us and restores us, embraces us even in our most fallen condition. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us a picture of our heavenly Father that was absent through much of the, of the old covenant and the understanding of, of a God working with a people. Jesus, we pray that today that you would strengthen uh, our men uh, of all ages, Lord, that you would raise them up, Lord, that you would heal the wounds that they may have experienced in their lives that may have derailed them from their destiny. And Lord, I also pray, Lord, that you would forgive us and heal uh, those who've maybe been affected by wounds that we have exacted towards others, myself included, Lord, in our maleness, in our the way we're hardwired, Lord God. Lord, I just pray great blessing upon families and great blessing upon a generation that's growing up even in our midst here, Lord, that you capture the hearts of the men of all ages in this season, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridgeway.church.